you know, a few years after that, I realized that a lot of the entrepreneurial things I was doing all had some sort of social aspect to them. Um, so I was building companies for profit, um, but they all had some element of making the world better. And, and I found I was increasingly towards um, the environment and towards animal welfare. And that's when I sort of put the, everything under the umbrella for Treadlight Ventures. And that was how that was really born, of realizing, you know, you can really make a bunch of money, but also do some great things. They aren't mutually exclusive. You don't have to make money, then go give it off somewhere. But to create a sustainable world, I kind of believe you have to really hit it from the business side of things. Hello and welcome back to the Eat Green, Make Green podcast. If it's your first time, welcome to the podcast. Very much appreciate you checking it out. I am Pat McCauley, as I am every week here on the show or about every week on the show. Um, this week's episode is with Brett Thompson. Brett and I connected a few months back, um, initially in regard to my venture, um, but Brett owns a venture firm called Treadlight Ventures, uh, which is focused on investing in socially responsible uh, businesses and startups. Um, and I want to share uh, Treadlight's motto. Uh, I mentioned it in the episode as well, but I want to do so here too uh, because I just absolutely love it. Um, it's there can be great wealth in doing the right thing. Um, and to me, that is the coolest part of um, the plant-based uh, business world right now is you're just doing such a good thing for you know, people's health, for the health of the planet, for the animals on the planet. And it's also a massive, massive uh, opportunity uh, for entrepreneurs uh, with all that's going on with the shift in the meat and dairy industries. Um, so massive positive impact, but, um, you know, you can also make massive money. So we talk about Brett's journey of how he started all the way back as a kid to start questioning some things um, in his life around food, uh, specifically when he first saw a truckload of animals um, on the highway one day, likely on their way to slaughter um, in the middle of winter, um, to going on service trips in high school and seeing uh, how other people in different parts of the country live. Um, the model of giving back and having impact um, right now versus the traditional model is kind of, you know, you make a bunch of money, you work, work, work for 40 years, and hopefully amass, you know, some kind of small fortune that you can then give. Um, and the idea of, you know, socially responsible business and impact businesses is that, you know, there is a cause behind the business. You're not only, you know, making profit um, as a business, but, you know, you're, you're doing good in the world. Um, how the idea for Tread Life Ventures came along uh, the plant-based and clean meat industries, if you're new to the clean meat and clean dairy um, and all that, all that's going on in there, it's uh, really interesting and, and, and cool stuff, so we talk about that. Um, the masculinity around eating meat, um, his upcoming documentary on human-wildlife conf conflicts in Africa, uh, which sounds like it's going to be super cool. 
um, why most world issues are not black and white, um, and much more. I absolutely loved, we only had about 45 minutes um, because he was only in Boston for about 24 hours and, and had some meetings, uh, but absolutely loved getting to know Brett. Um, I love all that he's doing. I love Treadlight, um, and you'll, you'll hear his passion for, for all he's doing uh, in the episode. So I will let him tell the rest. Without further ado, the one and only Brett Thompson. Times are related is your currency. Oh, you can spend All right, I get Brett in the house. Uh, good morning, uh, how are you? Good. We are in the Boston Seaport, a uh, little coffee shop here, and uh, you're fresh off a flight from Los Angeles that got delayed last night. Uh, and diverted, so I spent a little <laughs> few moments in Syracuse, so it was nice yeah. to see this part of the country a little bit. Yeah, nice, nice. And we, uh, to give people context, we connected a few months back. You are very much involved in the plant-based uh, investment world and have projects yourself and companies you back, and um, you're based out in Santa Monica. And here for about 24 hours, it, it sounds like. That's and, uh, right, yeah. <laughs> and so I appreciate you making it happen in, in such a short amount of time. Yeah, likewise. I'm glad you uh, made time for me, and it's good to connect in person. You know, we've, we've chatted emails for a little while now, and it's good to, to actually, you know, face the name and all that kind of thing. So uh, thanks again. Yeah, totally. And uh, I think, like, what stuck out to me right off the bat uh, when I stumbled upon Treadlight, mm-hmm. uh, which is your uh, investment company in there, um, just the headline, there can be great wealth in doing the right thing, the tagline of that. And I just like so agree with that. And uh, I want to get into like all of that in, in why you started that and what you're up to. But um, first to kind of give uh, people uh, some context on kind of your path and, and career and life growing up and uh, whatnot. Can we take it back to wherever you want to start the, uh, the Brett Thompson story here. Yeah, no, I'm happy to do that. Um, it's probably a long story, and I'll let you edit it out if <laughs> whatever you think is too much here. But um, you know, it's funny, I, I, so I come from, from this whole aspect of from, from an animal perspective. I, I had my eyes opened about, you know, close to a decade now, actually. It's amazing how fast time goes. But um, I saw some things kind of behind the scenes of how food was made, and I just said, wow, I, I can't support that. And that was sort of my eye-opening moment. But... When I think about things, you know, sort of where it really started in my life, it was probably, um, I was probably 10 or 12 years old. I remember I grew up in the Chicago area. And it was middle of winter. We were on a road trip somewhere around the highway. I'm in the backseat. I'm looking out the window and just, you know, watching cars go by. And, and one of these big um, animal transport trucks comes by. And I look at it and I see these open slats and it's snowing outside. And I thought, that's strange. That looks like it's wide open. Like you can see the animals in there. There must be a heater inside. And I'm, you know, 10 years old, whatever. And I'm very naive. And I'm thinking, well, there's got to be a heater in there, but that still seems weird to be open. Like maybe their bodies don't feel heat the same way. I mean, I don't know, I'm trying to understand why that would happen. I thought good people wouldn't let that, you know, animals be out in the middle of winter like that. It didn't make any sense. And my parents were in the front seat and they were just chatting away, whatever they were doing. And nobody else seemed to notice this, you know, semi going down the street with the, with these animals in it. And I kind of put it back in my head. I thought, well, that can't be, I'm sure I'm missing something. And, and, you know, and I've always been an animal lover. So I just figured it was not a big deal. Everyone, no one else seemed to notice, so um, no big deal. And, um, you know, fast forward, say, in, in high school, I'm kind of giving little bits and pieces of different things that sort of influenced me along the way. Um, I was pretty active in my youth group in, in high school and college. And we used to go on this work trip down to um, Mississippi, rural Mississippi. 
And you hear about this, you know, the expression, the other side of the tracks, and that was a really real thing there. Um, on the one part of the town, um, there'd be, you know, the white neighborhoods, and it would be clean and pristine. It wasn't anything fancy, but it was well-kept and, and nice paved streets and all that. You literally cross the tracks, and you're in the old slave quarters where the black people lived. And the streets there were literally the old cow paths that were just people throwing asphalt on them. Mm. And they winded around, and the houses there were had... Um, I remember one woman, they had a, a, just a hole in their living room roof, and when it rained, they put a bucket in their living room, and they just lived with it. So our group went down there, and you know, we'd spend a week. It wasn't a huge amount of time, but we had you know, a, a group of us. We'd go down there, and we replaced her roof one, one summer. Mm -hmm. um, things like that. And so it was pretty eye-opening that, you know, even though so that was in, say, you know, the, the early, you know, late 80s, early 90s, but that still happened in America, that that was still was like one of those, like, oh, I thought we were way past all of this. And um, kind of an eye-opening thing. And so I always thought, at that point in my time, I was like, well, I'll make a bunch of money, um, and then I'll donate to good causes, things that I cared about. It wasn't animal-specific at that point in time, but it was just like, that was the model back then of like, well, I'm going to make a bunch of money and donate it to places that, it, that yeah. need the help, right? Right. Um, so that was my, my path, and I went into finance, um, you know, had a reasonable career, um, was able to give money to different places that I cared about. Separately, I've always been super entrepreneurial, and as, as if we've, you know, I've talked, I've got a, a production company on the side, I've created an iPhone game at one point, I've written some scripts, I've done a lot of different things along the years. And so when I, you know, that moment I told you about about 10 years ago where I saw some things behind the scenes in the animal space, you know, a few years after that, I realized that a lot of the entrepreneurial things I was doing all had some sort of social aspect to them. Um, so I was building companies for profit, um, but they all had some element of making the world better. And, and I found I was increasingly towards um, the environment and towards animal welfare. And that's when I sort of put the, everything under the umbrella for Treadlight Ventures, and that was how that was really born of realizing, you know, you can really make a bunch of money, but also do some great things. They aren't mutually exclusive. Mm. You don't have to make money, then go give it off somewhere. But to create a sustainable world, I kind of believe you have to really hit it from the business side of things and giving people options, you know, whether it's, you know, new types of meat to eat that aren't really meat or whether they're, you know, built in a lab, that kind of thing. Um, different kinds of, of clothing, changing it from a business perspective and giving them options that, that really make, it, make a difference. And so... Um, Charlie Adventures in the beginning was, was really my formation of an incubator for a bunch of these ideas. And then as time progressed, I realized that there are people doing some amazing things out there that I'm better off investing in them. And um, so it's not donating, but, but certainly investing and believing you can make some money doing that as well and saying, hey, there's a scientist creating something amazing. I'm not a scientist. I, I like to dabble a little bit in some of these things, but there are people who know way more than I do. Um, or what you're doing at the restaurant, like you can do that better than I can. I'm looking for those opportunities to, to invest money. Um, so that's really sort of progressed over time. There's still this incubator idea, but it's also a lot of it's shifted to um, the investment into, into new companies. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely love it. Can we um, go back a little bit? You said yeah. almost a decade ago is kind of when you personally made a transition yeah. to, to plant-based and vegan. Um, can you talk about sort of why you did so, maybe some of the information you found at that time that you know, led you that way? Yeah, so it, it's um, kind of, a, I mean, obviously a very transformative period of my life, both from from personal views and, and my business world and everything my life changed around then. So I, I saw one of those PETA videos, and I know PETA has a very um, perhaps divisive perspective in the world. Some people love them, some people not so much. Mm -hmm. um, but for me, I saw one of those videos, and it was actually on fur farming. It was called Skinned Alive. And um, there's, a, there's a scene in there I will never forget, and it was just, um, I won't get into too much detail, but you could see the animal's expression as someone was, was cutting open its, its body while it was still alive. And it was just, just stuck with me. And I, I thought, that can't be right. 
you know, maybe there's an exception somewhere if someone's doing that, but that can't be right. And I looked more into it, and I looked more into, um, you know, it led me down the path of our food production system. And I saw, yeah. saw things, even here in America, the things like the food system that we have right now is really horrific to animals. Um, and I just said, that can't be right. And, then, and the more I looked into it, I said, oh, that's actually just the way it is. Um, we sort of turned a blind eye because we all grew up, um, and I grew up in the Midwest eating meat, just what we did, just part of how we were raised. And um, good people were eating meat, and people are, are very sensitive, and people, animal lovers, were eating meat. That's at least my perspective of how it was. So um, it's hard to get over that hump of, wait, this isn't right. This is what everyone's doing, but it's, it's not okay. So I said I was going to reduce the, the meat I ate, and within a few weeks, I had stopped eating meat completely. I just couldn't do it anymore. And funny enough, you know, over the next maybe two months of not eating meat, I ran and people were saying, have you lost weight? Have you been working mm -hmm. out more? And I'm like, I literally did nothing but just stop eating meat. <laughs> yeah. And my body physically changed, and it was like just a better place to be. And so my health was like, oh, this, this is a nice benefit of the whole thing. And then as I got more into the whole thing, um, you know, learning more and, and living this lifestyle more and more, I meet people and talk to them about why they were, had chosen it. And some people were, had chosen this path for the environmental reasons because of how damaging you know, our factory farms are to the environment um, and all of that. And the leather production, things like that are really, they're really damaging, really, really toxic. And so whatever angle you're coming from, from all of this, I realized that there's kind of one solution that you've got to reduce, you know, change the way we're, we're doing our, you know, raising our food, raising, you know, creating our, 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 our clothing and things like that, whether it's health, um, whether it's the environment. Um, or certainly the animal uh, welfare. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I love it. Um, yeah, so you mentioned health improved. Are there any other changes personally that have happened since making that change? Yeah, so it's, and I won't necessarily touch all the positive ones. So one of the hard things is I was in a, a very um, traditional business environment at that point, and it was kind of isolating and sometimes. Um, part of why I'm trying really hard to create some of these alternatives and, and make these things happen is because, you know, I go to business meetings and, and the only, you know, someone brings a lunch in and, and it's only ham sandwiches and turkey sandwiches. That was the only option. Um, people didn't understand it. You're expected to wear, um, you know, good quality shoes, which tend to be leather. You could, you're expected mm -hmm. to wear leather belts. All those things you're expected to do in that environment. Yeah, wool suits and... Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and so I felt very isolated from that world. And so I've, I've really enjoyed the past few years of meeting people in this community. And so it's who really share my values and, and people like you, you know, this has been fantastic sitting here and talking with you because I feel a different connection than I felt with people in a, in a long time mm. where I, I did have that period of, of, of feeling sort of lonely in some ways, if that makes sense. Um, but from a positive standpoint, I've really now surrounded my people as much as possible with people who share those values and I feel like um, I'm a, I feel more complete now than I have in a long time with this new social group. Um, but trying to get that, you know, but just realizing there's a long ways to go because there are a lot of people who don't, aren't quite where we're at. Um, in beliefs and lifestyle either. Yeah. So. Yeah, so about 10 years ago, you're making career shift as well. Um, <clears throat> you make the vegan shift. At what point does the idea for, for Treadlight come about? Treadlight was about... So I've always had this idea of having an incubator sort of in my head. Of, of I've always liked to do a bunch of different things. I've, like I said, I've written screenplays. I've, I've written... I've, yeah, how'd you games. get into that? Not to cut you off, but yeah. how'd you, how did that whole start? Is that sort of like just a, has always been a side passion of yours, even during the, the finance days? And yeah, always. I've, yeah. I've always loved movies. I've always loved, um, I love playing guitar. I'm not any good, but I enjoy it. You know, I like, I like, and even with that, I like creating music more than I like playing someone else's music generally. I've always liked creating things. It's just, I think my nature of, I like to build, I like to create, um, whether it's, 
if I see something really cool, I want to go, I can do that too. And I, I try to do something cool too. Whether it's I hear a great song, I'm like, I can write a great song. And, you know, I usually fail at it, but at least I try <laughs> and I keep on doing those things. So I always had this idea that I would have this company and, and um, that would just do a bunch of different things. And I'd have, I'd have a movie arm, I'd have, you know, a video game arm and all those kind of things. And it could be other business ideas and all sort of on this incubator. And uh, Charlie Adventure really was, was a similar idea, but a subset of, I, I realized a lot of what I was focused on was the plant-based world, um, we call it vegan, whatever it is, but really changing the infrastructure of our world, um, you know, take, getting rid of the animal economy effectively. And, um, but always the same bent of, I love creating things, I love building things, um, I love seeing new things happen. And um, that's always kind of in my blood of, of, of who I am. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Yeah, can we get into maybe a little bit of what's happening in the plant-based world and, you know, we're, I don't know how many, probably two months post uh, the Beyond Meat craze yeah. that's happened here and um, sort of all the, the changes that are, that are happening in this space since you kind of live in that world now? Yes, it's really a super interesting time. You have, um, and you, again, we're welcome to edit out anything that's, that's redundant to anybody listening, but, you know, um, so you have Beyond Meat just went public a couple months ago, done phenomenally well. Um, and they're a plant-based meat. So they're basically taking plants, re- sort of reconfiguring plants, and I don't know the science behind it, but into tasting like meat, looking like meat, all of that. Um, Impossible Burger is another one out there that's doing very similar things, kind of their main competitor. Um, but there's room for both of them at this point, it seems like. Um, there are a number of other companies like that. So the next wave of things coming right, right behind them, and right behind them, you know, next couple of years is the sort of clean meat space. Mm. This is where people are actually creating growing real meat, if you will. So um, exactly the same thing. They're creating, um, you know, burgers in a lab. They're starting with cells from actual animals, um, cultivating them and creating, you know, burgers. And they're working on next things like steaks eventually and, and things like that. That'll have a probably a broader appeal to people. Um, the benefits there is, it's, it's, as they say, clean meat. It's not going to have the antibiotics in there that our, our, a lot of our food has. Um, you can get rid of, you can, you know, engineer out certain things so it's not going to be the, the cholesterol levels and things like that. Um, yeah. Again, I'm not a scientist, but there are definitely some benefits to doing that yeah, over no, traditional meat. No hormones that come with, you know, yeah. pregnant cows and, and, all the, and, and all the other sort of ill effects of a mistreated animal and, and things like that right. that yeah. you can kind so of engineer out. Yeah. And it takes up way less land, way less water, way less resources going into the whole thing. Um, you know, scalable, all those kind of things. So lots of huge benefits for, for the animals, for the, for the environment, for people's health. So really, even if you're still eating meat, it's just a, a, a notch in the right direction for sure, and a big notch. Yeah. Um, and what I'm super excited about is, is kind of behind that even, it's, I think a little earlier stage is all the, you know, say the clean dairy. Um, you know, to be able to have cheese not actually taking from a cow, right, but actually creating a lab. Um, again, you can create better health aspects of it, you know, less footprint for the, you know, the, the resources that you're taking, um, better for the animals, all those things. So that's, you know, kind of farther behind um, than the rest of it, but it's coming. And as I think the science from the clean meat improves, it's going to help the clean, um, the clean dairy industry as well. Um, people are creating, you know, egg substitutes, um, but again, out of, you know, in labs. Um, so it's going to have the same effects. You can cook the same way with them. You can um, get the same health aspects from a protein standpoint without some of the other, other side effects of it as well. So... A lot of cool things happening, and I, I wish it could go faster. Uh, yeah. I think some of us are ready for those, but um, there's, a, there's a great trajectory of, of things happening in this world to, to change our whole food system. Yeah, I, I find it so interesting. Like, 
you get sort of the health conscious people that don't want to accept it. You know, they want the real egg. They want the, you know, real, yep. what they perceive as grass-fed, free-range, you know, meat. Um, and then you sort of have probably the 90% of the world that, you know, eats meat despite of what it is and where it comes from. They don't really care. Right. You know, they're they're eating a burger at McDonald's regardless. They're not thinking about anything beyond that right so it's funny you have this sort of like shift to more healthy eating and living Mm -hmm. and you have that subset that you know they've either totally embraced plant-based and totally uh embraced sort of the plant-based meats or they're just like no like you know we eat real meat you know we eat real uh you know even people you know hunting their own meat and things like that and uh And then you have the flip side of that where people don't care. So I just find it a fascinating, like, combination of consumers that all sort of think differently. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. And I think you actually touched on something that was still hard for me, to be honest, and was harder, you know, probably 10 years ago. But this whole concept of of the masculinity of eating meat, right? Mm. Um, I've had, you know, a number of people over the years make make comments and, you know, like, oh, I want... You know, effectively, like, well, I like to grill because I'm a man. That's what I do. And it's like those type of things. And, Absolutely. oh, you don't eat meat. Oh, it seems like more women don't eat meat than men. Like, they make those kind of subtle comments. And um, there's definitely a masculinity tied with it. And I think mm. we're getting away from that. Yeah. Um, but it's still there in a lot of cultures. It's still there in our culture, very strong. Um, and so you know, I think it takes a lot of people who are, you know, ideally, this Game Changers movie that's coming out is fantastic. Because, yeah. man, these are some true jocks and studs that, that don't eat meat and suddenly yeah. that, that changes some of our conversation and what's happening but that's you know one of those things I've struggled with, with is I don't make a big deal I haven't always made a big deal about not eating meat because I just don't want to have to deal with all of that there's no benefit to mm-hmm. any of that and then you realize at some point you're like I don't care I'm still going to keep doing this um, it's actually my view is and maybe I'm a little biased but you're more of a man of making a choice to do something against what society is telling you you should be doing yep. um, that takes more conviction um, more strength but yep. not everyone views it that way. Yeah, and I love how uh, I know it's in the Game Changers with, with Dean Ornish there, and he talks about the uh, sort of reproductive benefits of, of taking meat <laughs> off your plate and eating right. plant-based and how your testosterone goes up and your you know semen count goes up and you're more masculine. Right. Um, but, yeah, it just takes education. Um, and I think, yeah, it's a super interesting time. And I know from some of, like, the content I've put out that, you know, has gotten a lot of views um, and therefore a lot of comments. It's always the guys that are like, uh, nope, I'll just continue being a man. Or, um, you know, there's all that masculinity like thing going on with with consuming meat that you're touching on. And um, the other interesting thing I think is you have this crazy push towards plant-based meats and and plant-based alternatives. Um, but then on the flip side, you know, you, you kind of have this like U-shaped curve, right? Um, on the flip side, you have meat consumption at the highest it's ever been in recorded history. So, you know, obviously plant-based meat is growing faster, but, you know, our, our consumption of meat is only growing. What do you think, you know, needs to, obviously with the clean meat and, and the yeah. plant-based meats and the more accessible they are, um, do you think that solves that problem of the of the meat demand? I do. I think yeah. there's. Um, I think one there's, a, there's there's awareness happening. I think when you have people creating the documentaries on the health aspects of it, that helps change the awareness where people just didn't have it. You know, when I grew up 
we ate a lot of processed foods and nothing against my mm. parents. They just, nobody realized these weren't great things to be doing, you know? Um, I think times have changed. People are learning more about our nutrition, learning about what's healthy for us. I think people are, there's awareness in society of like, okay, meat's not as good as we thought it was for you. You don't, you know, you can get protein from lots of other things, um, those kind of things. And maybe we don't need as much protein as we all somehow think we do need, right? Mm. Um, that's, I think that part of it is, is, is changing as well. But I think the other part is, you know, I think these clean meats really solve a lot of that. I think, you know, if the person going to McDonald's and buys a burger, they clearly are somebody who doesn't care where that meat comes from in the first totally. place, right? Totally. They don't care whether it's, you know, from a, a ranch in Brazil or here in the U.S. or a factory farm. They're not thinking about it. They don't care. So if somebody like McDonald's at some point swaps that out for clean meat, nobody cares, right? Yeah. So at some point, it, McDonald's will do that from a cost perspective or because some consumers are demanding whatever it might be, most likely a cost perspective. Um, and then if they do that, nobody cares and they're still eating meat. And, you know, make those kind of changes. And eventually, when people realize they're not eating an actual animal anymore, then they let themselves, I think, open up more to, oh, yeah, that was kind of wrong. That was kind of messed up. And, and those attitudes can change. But at the moment, it's hard for them to open up about that because it would mean a big sacrifice in their parts and their view. Um, but I, yeah. think, I do think clean meat changes, changes the conversation a lot. Yeah. And what do you think the biggest challenge for companies in that space like Beyond in the, the clean meat companies that hopefully will be coming out with products in the, in the next couple of years. Is it consumer education? Or what, what's kind of the biggest challenge right now to, to gain some real um, you know, percentage of, of, yeah. of the meat industry? So it's gonna be education, I think. That's part of it. Yeah. Um, for clean meat, clearly it's cost. Um, yeah, it can't yeah. compete on cost right now. And that's, you know, you can make a hamburger for, I'm not sure what the current numbers are, but so, you know, some companies might be down to $1,000 for a, a burger or something like that. It doesn't make sense. Or maybe yeah. whatever the number is, it's not competitive yet. Mm -hmm. um, that's where it changes things. I think for a lot of companies, you know, I'll use the McDonald's example, I think it's just a cost, and obviously consumer demand, but a lot of it's cost equations. Like, hey, if I can get this a little bit cheaper, why wouldn't I, right? Mm. And they produce how many billions of tons, millions of tons of, of hamburgers every year, um, every little penny counts and that stuff. So if you can get that cost element down, which they will, that changes. I think, I think you know that's the biggest hurdle I think right now, and that's you know taking time and research and um, and I think that that whole world's evolving. Where there, are, I think, what it's fun to watch is that there's a whole process of making clean meat, and you have people now creating, and every and all the companies so far have been creating the process on their own. So they've. They create it in the lab, they, um, however they grow it, they do that whole process from start to finish themselves. And some companies recently have started realizing, oh, I can specialize in this one piece of that. And so now you're seeing more collaboration between these clean meat companies mm. where um, they're not trying to do everything start to finish, they're saying, hey, I can really specialize this piece of it. And I think that's gonna progress things where their, their efforts will be focused on this one aspect of that process. Um, and then they can scale that piece of it and someone else can scale another piece of it and all together it creates um, a process that's replicable. Yeah. Yeah, do you think there will be a time when just the education of eating animals sort of, like, I, I almost, would you bet more on plant-based meats right now or clean meat? Because I feel like with clean meat, you are eating an animal. It's, yep. like, grown from an animal cell. Yeah. You know, will the education yep. of, like, hey, eating animals is weird catch up and, and clean meat maybe become less of a desired thing and everybody wants to eat things that came from plants 
Yes, but I think that's really far down the road. Yeah. I think, um, I do believe eventually that's going to be like a weird thing. Yeah. Um, and what, I'll give you maybe a personal example. Of, sure. You know, my, so when I, I grew up eating meat, I, I always loved meat and it was just what I did. It was something I thought we had to do and just part of our, our diet, here. right? Yep. Um, and so my whole view on a lot of this is, is supply and demand and I try to be very pragmatic about it. And so... I don't want to create more demand for meat products, right? So I don't order in a restaurant. I don't order anywhere. I don't. I don't eat it. But I was at a, a work dinner um, a few years back, and it was a pre-planned menu. It was a big dinner. It was all pre-planned. It was all meat and everything. And so I, you know, pulled the waiter aside at one point. I'm like, "Hey, guys, get a bowl of pasta with some red sauce, something like that." Sure, and this bowl comes back, and it's like you know, it's a long dinner. It's a two-hour dinner, whatever. It's a tiny little bowl of pasta. And I eat it, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, man, I'm hungry. And it's yeah. 10 o'clock at night, whatever, and there's this plate of chicken there. And everyone else is done eating, and they're going to throw that chicken away. And so I reach over, and I grab some, and I eat it. Yeah. And one of my coworkers goes, you can't eat that. I was like, I can eat whatever I want to eat. That's not, you know, it's not a restrictive yeah, thing. I can yeah. eat whatever I want to eat. I said, they're going to throw that away. I'm still hungry. I don't want to eat, you know, I don't want to waste that chicken, and I'm, I'd rather eat it. And yeah. it makes, right? It just seems very practical, pragmatic to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and he oh, I never heard anyone put it like that way. It, it kind of opened his eyes a little bit to, you know, the thought process behind it, and it, for me at least personally. Yeah. Um, but what's funny was changed, and I believe in it. I do believe I don't like to waste, especially meat. It, it makes me sad, and it, it feels wasteful. It doesn't yep. seem like the right thing to do to waste that. So if I get something that's ordered wrong and it's got the wrong thing on it, I do every once in a while still eat that. Yeah. But what's funny is over time, meat actually grosses me out now. Mm-hmm. And so the thought now of eating chicken, ugh, that's... I don't want to waste it. I'm conflicted now because I don't want to waste it, but at the same time, I actually don't want to eat it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I never thought that would happen. I always thought it was be. Um, I was. I don't. I don't miss meat, but I, you know, still like the taste of it if I have it. But now I don't anymore. Yeah. And that's changed. And I feel like that's going to happen at some point with people, as there's enough education. You know, in 50 Agreed. years down the road. Yeah. People would be like, oh, meat, that's kind of gross when you yeah. think about it. When you really pause and think about all that stuff, it is really gross what we eat. Um, yeah. But people aren't there yet, and I'm still partially there, but mostly there. Um, mm. So I, I, I do believe at some point, you know, again, 50 years down the road, whatever it is, or even clean meat will be a thing of the past, and I possibly. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I agree. But they, they have a long runway to go. We're, yeah. <laughs> we're not, we're <laughs> yeah. not there yet. Exactly. We're still eating more and more meat every year. Yeah. But uh, cool, cool. What's what's something uh, about you we haven't talked about that you might want to share with us? doesn't have to be uh, business or plant-based related or anything. Oh, man, that's a good question. Um, well, my dream one day is to have, I have this vision, and it's nothing to do with plant-based or anything cool. else, but um, <laughs> of, of me retiring on a, a beach in Italy and yep. playing my acoustic guitar and yep. just watching the, the Mediterranean and, and relaxing and, and maybe having a glass of wine and, and that's um, that's the lifestyle I'm, I, would have, I would like more than anything, I think. <laughs> that sounds fantastic. So, have you know. been to Italy and traveled around there? I have. It's been many, many years and um, I'm almost afraid to go because there's part of me that, that thinks if I go even on a vacation, I just won't come back. Yeah. And um, there's too much to be done. You know, I, I'm someone who likes to do a lot, so... Um, I'm a little nervous of that, but it's, I love the Mediterranean. I've been to Greece, you know, in the past, you know, maybe, that was about, probably about 10 years ago, actually, with Greece. It's very similar, you know, that lifestyle. I love the Mediterranean. just feels great to me. Mm. Um, so that's, you know, that's on my, my, my wish list one day, is to retire in, on, the, on the Mediterranean somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. I love so. it. <clears throat> to um, somebody listening that maybe some of this stuff is new to. Yeah. Um, you know, they, as we were talking before, you know, a lot of people still 
they don't even know what plant-based is. They don't, you know, they still have the, you know, PETA version of yeah. vegan in their head with, you know, paint on fur coats and things sure, like that. Sure. Um, and are turned off like, like I used to be, you know, a few years back. Um, to some, to sort of that listener, mm-hmm. can you sort of give your advice for, you know, maybe where to uh, get some additional knowledge and also, you know, if they want to give this thing a shot tomorrow morning, what yeah. sort of the first step is you suggest to sort of head in that direction? Yeah, that's a great question. So from the, just from the opening your eyes perspective, I'd start with something like, the, you know, a fairly recent movie called What the Health, mm. um, produced by the same people who did um, Cowspiracy. Those are two really good movies of, and they're, you know, they're not graphic, you're not going to, you know, see anything too, too crazy, but... You know what the health is more about the you know the health benefits of, of, of this world and really you know some of the propaganda we've heard growing up of, of you know from the meat company from the dairy industry things like that um, you learn from there and, and it's just kind of I think open your eyes a little bit more to some of the benefits of that and some of the impact that this is having on the environment I think those are important ones um, if you want to get a little bit more into it like forks over knives things like that mm. um, you know good good documentaries I think those are those are kind of easy ways just to get into some of this this world from that perspective um, lots of great books out there too but I think you know that's a, a digestible thing you can see in an hour and a half or whatever um, for starting it's pretty easy if you you know you can make small changes whether it's something you know getting almond milk or oat milk in your latte or in the morning or for you know instead of the, the regular you know milk make it you know make one meal a day and try and make that vegan or plant-based um i believe in those small steps i don't you know not for everybody you can make that switch overnight if you go too extreme sometimes people kind of fall back but starting with either a day you know the meatless monday kind of thing i think is um you realize oh that was pretty good um I would recommend trying, you know, trying a good vegan restaurant. And maybe I shouldn't use the word vegan, maybe it's plant-based, you know, we're talking now. Yeah. But try a good plant-based <laughs> restaurant. That's right, plant-based. Um, that'll show you there's some really good food out in that space. I think if, you know, for me coming into all of it, I was like, oh, man, I have to eat just steamed vegetables every single meal. And it's not like that. Um, you can eat lots of great things. Some of them are healthier than others. But <laughs> you can have plant-based things that are really <laughs> bad for you. Um, but for the most part, you know, you're going to eat a healthier lifestyle. But you can you can have some really great tasting food. So try some in your area, wherever you're living. Um, there are some good options. Some of them, um, you'll realize you can um, you can eat well, have a good meal, and, and still feel like you're, you're not contributing necessarily to uh, some of the, the negative things that are happening out there. Yeah, I like that. We were talking a little bit about this before, but I like to ask this question a lot to yeah. people I have on. To the people that are aware of mm-hmm. all the stuff we're talking about and they know the health environmental um, aspects of, of the food we consume um, and they have the information for the most part but still can't and, and they agree with it you yeah. know most people do agree with, yeah. with with it but still struggle to tie that you know belief in that knowledge to action in their life right yeah. what do you think the difference is so for, for someone like me, you know, I became aware of it um, and, you know, I I just stopped, you know. I, I felt it was the right thing to do, yeah, yeah. knew it was the right thing for my health, and it was just a very clear-cut thing for me. But, you know, the more and more people I talk with, that's not the case. They have the information, but they can't really tie that to their daily routines and habits. Um, what do you think the difference is there? What do you think it is for most people that they struggle to kind of implement it in their life? That's a, that's a great question. That, um, I don't really have the exact answer. It probably depends on the person. You know, yeah. for me, 
you know, my change happened because there was something already in me that I knew wasn't quite right. I felt something wasn't quite right in this world, and I never could quite put my finger on it, but it felt wrong. And when it, my eyes were open to things, it just clicked, and I was like, I can't support this. I didn't want to accept this as the way it was, and so I, I, I flipped. And for you, it was the same thing. It was probably you know, whatever it was, your angle was, it clicked in you, and you, you moved on. I think part of it for me is, is I've surrounded myself as much as possible with people who share the same beliefs, at least to an extent. Um, and I've tried to create a, you know, my social circle around people that do share those same ideas. So it's just easier um, when people, you know, you're not arguing with somebody, you're not having somebody, you're going to a restaurant, they're ordering, hey, let's all have the pork belly empanadas and we'll split them. You're not arguing with them, they just aren't ordering those things for you. So it's, you're not tempted the same way. Um, you have that support network. It's not weird to order what you're ordering. Um, so the more you can find people that have that, you know, that share that same belief, at least to an extent, and are willing to to experiment with with, with food that might be new to you, I think that's an important thing of, of having that sort of support network around you. Um, otherwise, you're going to feel that loneliness. You're going to feel that sort of isolation. Yeah. It's going to be harder. We don't. We all want to be around. You know, we all want to be supported. It's a social world we live in. Um, so you find that social element. I think it'll really um, make an impact and yeah. help that change stick. I 100% agree. I think that's. Some of the best advice you can give is like changing your environment, changing the amount of time you know you spend with certain yeah. people, and you know not that you have to like cut out your family oh, sure. and friends that yeah. eat meat and things like that, but you know maybe you know spend a little less time there and and more time around people that you know celebrate the changes uh, that you make and, and celebrate you trying to better your health and, and make an impact in the world and. Yeah, I, you know, recommend the same thing on sort of the entrepreneur side, right? It's lonely if you're not around people right, that right. Um, are pursuing things. And, you know, there's the there's the set of people that, you know, maybe it's family, maybe it's close friends that you're never going to cut out of your life, of mm -hmm. course. But, you know, when you pitch them the big idea, they're like, yeah, good luck with that. You know, <laughs> right, that's, right. That's, exactly right. that's not practical, yeah, right? And yeah. it's like draining. No buy that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you really have to like, you know, start spending time with people that when you throw that big idea out there, they're like, go for it. How can I help? Right. You know, how can I support you? Um, and yeah, that's I find a great, it's, That's a great parallel right there. Yeah. I, I find it's the same way with food and lifestyle change. Yeah. It's, you got to be around the people that say, hell yeah, you know, like, let's go grab a smoothie instead of the beer today. Right. You know what right. I mean? Not right. that the two can't be, uh, you know, in a healthy lifestyle, but... Um, yeah, environment I think is so huge. So I'm sure. glad. Same idea as having like a training partner when you work out, right? Yeah. It's not for everybody, but it's like it, you can keep you motivated. Those days you're like, well, I'm kind of tired. I worked out yesterday. Well, you can work out today too. That's okay. Or, yeah. you know, that extra set you're getting in, whatever it is of like that person to motivate you and whatever that is in your life, I think that having those people around you to, to encourage you and not tell you, you know, let's, let's just watch TV tonight or something, you know? Yeah. Um, I think that's an important thing to have that, you know, that support around you. So. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Let's talk quickly, if you would. Um, you mentioned the the film project you have coming up. I don't know if you can talk yeah, in no, detail about it, to. but I yeah. thought it was super interesting. And so I, um, I apologize. I can't remember if I've talked with you about this before or after the, the podcast. So <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll repeat myself if, if, if you don't mind. But um, yeah, so one of the things I love to do is I, you know, I've always loved the media business. I love movies. I grew up fascinated by movies and, and wanted to be a filmmaker. Um, I love writing music. I had a dream I was going to be a composer for feature films, and I, I, I've written a couple screenplays. I love that whole space. And so I have a small production company. We've created a, a few feature films already. Um, and our latest project, which I love because it sort of combines some of my loves of, of the media, but also in the world of animals, is 
is a documentary on the human wildlife conflicts and, and it's a docu-series so it's a skimmy series a TV show we're raising money for it right now um, we're, but we have our, all our everything lined up so we're going to Africa not me personally unfortunately but my, my partner and um, a small crew is going to Africa in September and we're going to film our, our pilot episode and it's really telling the story of the human wildlife conflicts and how do you find something that's sustainable um, you have situations where you know a lot of people might look and say oh you know you know, the, the trophy hunting, that's such a terrible thing. Uh, we want to tell both sides of that story. And so yeah. what is, why is does that, so some people say that works for conservation. What is the, the other side of that story? Um, this side of the story where, you know, if an elephant tramples somebody's crops and that person hates that elephant and shoots them, we want to hear that side of the story too. It's easy for us to say, oh, elephants are such majestic creatures. Well, they're not majestic if they're, they're destroying your crops and your livelihood and or trampling your son or whatever that, that might be. Those things yeah. happen and, and we need to tell those stories. So it's, um, we're starting off in Kenya. There's a, a, a conservation uh, thing, um, called Lewa. We're going there first. We're going to try to get to Botswana on this. We may not for this trip, but um, we're going to create a, you know, a pilot episode. And the idea is we create that pilot episode, and we're going to try and push that to the networks, and then you know do a season one after that. So pretty excited about it. It's kind of taking a lot of our time and attention right now, but um, really believe in the message and, and getting more education. A lot of these things is just more education and awareness um, of these issues. Yeah, that's that's awesome. It sounds uh, it sounds super fun, and 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 wish wish you the best best of luck with it. And, and you reminded me, I, I like how you you're focused on telling both sides of the story. And I'm very much. I mentioned my girlfriend is from Central Maine. You know, very rural, uh, small town kind of Middle America type feel place. Right. And when we visit her family. You know, me and her are both vegan, and you know her family are big hunters and, and fishermen, and um, it's interesting hearing the different side of that. You know, and having a conversation of, you know, how deer in that area are, you know, supposedly overpopulated, and there's all sorts of these other reasons why, you know, they might justify right, right. that it's necessary to, you know, hunt six months out of the year there. Um, or there would be problems. Right. Um, so it's just interesting hearing other sides of the story. I personally could never do it, whether it's <laughs> right. uh, whether it's justified or not. But um, yeah, it's just important to hear both sides, and I think that's important with everything. And I, I very much get the sense with your approach, both on food and and um, environment and all that, that you're, you're very much focused on kind of. It's not as black and white as you know some of the people in in the vegan movement like to believe. Yeah, I don't I don't fit yeah. in with that hardcore vegan group. I agree. Um, yeah, I do have a very open mind on some of these things. I'm very pragmatic with it. Um, I do believe we live in a very gray world, and you know, it's easy to say, "Oh, hunting! How could you kill an animal? You must be a psychopath. Why would you shoot animals for fun?" You talk to somebody, you go, "Oh, okay, it's more complicated than I thought it was." Right? Yeah. That, that there are some issues with you know. Whether I agree with those issues, at least I've heard those issues and I can make my own opinion about a real solution to something or understand someone else's perspective. And I think that's where I think real change starts, where if you yell at somebody and throw paint at them, whatever it is, yes. you're not going to convince them that they're wrong. They're going to just, you know, put their, their fists up and they're going to fight you, right? But if you listen to them and, and hear their side and they hear your side, then suddenly, okay, maybe we have a real conversation. Maybe we can make some change that way. And that's always been my approach. I'm, you know, I'm not the activist type, but I'm, I do believe in, you know, soft education of, of being open-minded and listening and, and, and 
when you do that, I think you can have a chance to make some real change in the world. Yeah. Um, whether it's with an individual, and I think that's what the great thing is, I'm not putting up billboards. You know, so on the one hand, I'm creating these, trying to create these companies that are creating truly massive change in the world, but I also believe in the one-on-one conversation where you can change that one person, and you have no idea how many people they're going to affect in their lives, right? And these things can just spread. So um, it's kind of a long-winded answer to, you know, I do believe in being a you know, good listener and, and open-minded on these, these issues. Yeah. And it's complicated. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So um, we're getting, I want to wrap up here. I know you got another another meeting happening. Um, what's what's kind of next on the horizon for, for Treadlight and, and sort of, you obviously have the documentary coming yeah. and what's kind of the next few years look like for you and, and where you'd like to see things go in your world? Yeah, yeah. so the big thing right now is, so Treadlight was, was kind of my own little umbrella of, of things happening and um, I was investing my personal money into to different ventures. Um, I was creating things, and I would hire out developers as needed. And I, you know, I program a little bit myself, as I mentioned. I can, you know, build some things. And I always, but kind of in the end, was all my my thing. We're in the process of raising our first fund. Um, and the idea is to to be able to go out and, and have it's a fairly relatively small fund in the, in the scheme of things, but to be able to go out and put money into early stage companies that, that need the help, um, get them to the next step, and then follow up with the second fund after that pretty quickly, where you can then invest in those same companies, but at a later stage and really help mm. them to grow. So you kind of get them going, and then as they grow, you can give them some more money to, to grow that as well and help them on the journey as opposed to that one-time check. Mm. Um, so that's really the focus right now. My big thing is just getting our first fund off the ground. Um, we're at the early stages of raising that, um, but that's the big thing we're trying to do. Because it just gives us more opportunity out there. The, the reality is I get pitched more things, and there are many great things out there that I could possibly respond to um, on my own. So with that fund, gives you just more access to um, to helping more great companies doing doing amazing things in, in the space. Mm. So. Awesome, awesome. Where can uh, people find Treadlight? Find you if they want to follow you. Um, yeah, so the easiest um, you can find me on LinkedIn. That's easy enough. Yep. Um, Brett David Thompson, um, Treadlight.com. Um, get a hold of me there. So either way, there and, and should be contacts to any of the social sites on there as well. So. Um, would love to, yeah, more connections, and I just love chatting with people in this space because it keeps me encouraged. It keeps me going some days when, you know, not everybody in our lives is, is so focused on on doing doing what we're doing that I love to make more connections with people who are curious about the space or who are hardcore into it or everybody in between that are um, figuring things out. Amazing, yeah. I got one more for you, but before yeah, I just want to give you a shout out for what you're doing because I fully uh believe in it and uh love the mission with tread light and in the the things you're trying to shed light on with with the documentary and all the stuff you're doing and i just think more people need to be doing what you're doing and uh trying to move the needle and uh in in a way in a way that's approachable and views everybody's opinions and, and respects everybody's opinions and, and points of view and where they come from with with their ideology so uh thanks for doing what you're doing and i just want to give you a shout out for yeah. all the work you're doing well, um you know thank you and i mean likewise it just sounds like we're come, cut from the same cloth so um we need more people like you so appreciate that and it's, i'm so glad we had a chance to connect on this yeah absolutely thanks so last one uh that i asked most people if you had to sum it up in kind of one succinct uh message here why at the end of the day do you choose to um, live plant-based? Yeah, for me, it's, it's, it's an ethical decision. Um, I just don't believe what we're doing to animals and, and, and the world around us is the right thing. And so that, I think, has to be, you know, for me, it's, it's the way of change. Um, mm. And I, I, want, I want to make that change to change the infrastructure of our world, change the animal economy, 
Um, but for me, it's an ethical decision. That's why I've, I've chosen this path, and that's why I know I'll always be pursuing this um, until I'm 150 years old, hopefully. Yeah. So. I love it, man. All thank right. you. Well, thank you. It's great talking to you. Times I've related is your currency.